Let's pray together. Dear God, we pause in order to appeal to the Almighty that you would be our teacher, our preacher, our speaker, that you would, dear God, communicate with our hearts. We need to hear from you and no other because nobody has anything to say that is worth the listening except God. And we ask, dear God, that you would speak to us through your word and through your spirit and that we would be moved to embrace your title, to follow you more faithfully, to praise you with more intensity. And so we offer to you, dear God, our vessels, our spirit, that you may fill us with your spirit, that your word may be done. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we'll be in Acts chapter 13. And uh, we'll be looking at those first three verses in Acts chapter 13. In Acts chapter 13, you remember the church had been scattered. And they were going to different places, setting up different ministries. And it's a loosely organized organization. And in Acts chapter 13, the church leaders are still trying to figure out, where do we go from here? But here in Antioch, it was sort of like the central headquarters for the church at this time. And so in Acts chapter 13, it says, now there were at Antioch in the church that was there prophets and teachers. Barnabas and Simeon, who was also, who, who was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And in verse number two, and while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then in verse number three, when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Thank you so much for standing with us to honor the reading of the word of our great God and King. And so this young church is trying to get itself together. And these Christians and Christian leaders, they're trying to figure out how does this all fit? What does God want me to do? What part do I play? And every sincere Christian 
is asking that question, what part does God want me to play? I'm not going to call any names, but one of my kids bought some furniture and said, Dad, would you put this together for me? And what's the response? My response was, sure enough, I will put it together for you. Um, not the patience to wait on dad until they got someone to put it together. And <laughs> I asked them, how's it going with this uh, person that's putting it together? Oh, I don't know. And after it was put together, there were some parts and pieces that were left over when there ought not to have been any parts and pieces left over. Because everything that came in that box, it all had a purpose. And if there were parts and pieces that were not needed, somebody somewhere had made a mistake. And sometimes churches are like that. They have parts and pieces that are just laying around and have no function, not plugged in anywhere. And God says, there's something wrong with this picture. What God expects is that all of us are going to be a part of this building that he is building, this kingdom he expects that there will not be any spare members, that there will not be anybody who does not have an important role. And so if you're not plugged in and have a good, solid purpose, God says, ah, you better rethink that. And during this time of fasting, this is a good time for you to be thinking about so where does God want me to be plugged in? How does God want me to play a role in this? And uh, you're going to have to give an account for your life. You'll not be able to say, well, you know, pastor just never did tap me and ask me to do anything. That doesn't work. Because God says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a spiritual giftedness and as you yield to me, I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And as you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you're just going to fall into place. And so they're trying to figure this thing out. And, and they're here in Antioch, and they have these prophets, and they have these teachers. These are powerful people. These are people who can make a real difference in the kingdom of God. Because these are people who have what it takes to touch other people's lives and to help them to grow up in Christ. These are bona fide prophets and teachers. They're filled with the Spirit. They know the Word of God. They can counsel, and they can really do good things for God. But one thing that they know is, I have to be in the right place doing the right thing 
and, and they were there ministering before God. And uh, it says in verse number two that they're not just ministering, they're not just worshiping before God, but they're fasting. They're fasting, they're seeking God, and uh, God responds. And God had already said that when we, re- when, when we fast, when we humble ourselves before him, that he responds to that. He'd already said that. And so they were taking God upon his word, and they're ministering, they're worshiping, and they're fasting, and they're seeking God. And sure enough, in verse number three, then... And, 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 and before we get to verse number three and verse number two, and while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. Why do they need God's direction on this? Because any of these guys who were mentioned here in Acts chapter 13, any of these guys would have made wonderful missionaries. Any of these guys could have gone out and establish churches. Any of these guys could have gone to the Gentiles and taken the gospel to them. Any of these guys. And just because we are equipped, and just because we have the capability, it doesn't mean we're necessarily where God wants us to be. Saul and Barnabas are in Antioch, They are doing good work, and they are going to find out in this chapter that God is actually wanting to use them elsewhere in another capacity. What do we find? Just because you are somewhere and doing something that is good and that is making a difference doesn't mean that you don't still need to seek the will of God for your life. Just because you are doing it and God has blessed it and it has worked out and people have benefited from it, it doesn't mean that it's still where you're supposed to be for the next year or the next season, whatever it is. What does this verse say to us? That we should always be open-minded. We should always be seeking the will of God. God, where do you want me? What do you want me to do? Who should I be ministering to? And uh, you know how you know they're serious about it? Because they're fasting about it. And so God, he says, set apart Barnabas and Saul. I have a work that I've called them to do. And uh, the response of many would be, all right, God said uh, he's got something different for you. Bye. That's not what happens here. Here we have Barnabas and Saul. These are men who have led multitudes to Christ. They have discipled multitudes. These are men who are fruitful and productive. And obviously, these are blessed and special men. These are men who are filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And in spite of the fact that these are men with such a track record, these are men with such power, such giftedness, do you see what they still do with these men in verse number three? Then when they had fasted and prayed. Isn't that something? God has already given direction set these guys apart for me. God has already demonstrated through the Holy Spirit that these guys are ready to go. They're seasoned. They're faithful. And they still want to pray over these guys. They want to fast over these guys because they really understand that even when you're talking about people who are seasoned and they are prayer warriors and they are prophets and they are teachers, they still need the prayer, they still need the fasting, they still need the involvement of God, and in fact, more so now than they did before. And so they're fasting over them and they're praying about their futures. And they laid their hands on them to formally and officially ordain them by the church. And after they laid their hands on them, it says in verse number three, they sent them away. Which way would you rather go out to minister to the world of the unsaved? With people who are praying and fasting over you? Or with people who are saying, go get them? These are people who understood that it takes the power of the Holy Spirit, that as we send people out to minister, that they need our prayer support. They need the fasting and the prayer. And it may be that as we're fasting and as we're praying through this Daniel fast, it may be that a part of that prayer impact is that God will clarify for members of this congregation, here is what I want you to do. Here's where I want you. It may be that God has something that he wants you to do. And this session of fasting and prayer is going to be the power that allows God's will to be revealed to you for your life. Because God wants you doing something significant. Sometimes I'm a little bit confused as to how Christians can actually believe that God does not have more for them to do, that he doesn't have bigger goals for them to accomplish, that he doesn't want to work more mightily through their lives. Sometimes I'm a little bit taken back by how Christians 
can be contented with God doing so little through them and so little with them, and uh, they have no clarity about what God wants them to do. And uh, I meet Christians on a regular basis who have just no clarity. What does God want to do with you? What are his ambitions for you? What is he going to hold you accountable for having done on the day of judgment? Because this is how it literally works. God places a calling on each of our lives. Some of us will figure out what that calling is, and some of us will never figure out what that calling is. It is just based on your level of sincerity with God. If you're like, all right, I'm ready. Hey, God, whatever you want me to do, just tell me what it is, and it's done. You want me to quit my job? Done. You want me to give away everything I have? Done. You want me to work in this capacity in your church? Done. You want me to work in this capacity outside the church? It is done. God, just tell me what you want me to do. I'm just ready to do it. I'm pumped up. I'm excited. I I am passionate. I want to serve you. If that's the heart that you're bringing to God, he's going to very quickly reveal his will to you. But if your attitude is, you know, I'm so busy right now, God, and I know you have some stuff for me to do, but could you just put that on the back burner? You'll be thinking about, so what does God want to do with my life? You won't be able to figure it out. It's a heart thing. Did you know that God reveals his will to the ones who are willing to walk in it? And that God feels no obligation whatsoever to reveal his will to a Christian who is not interested. But he's still going to hold you fully accountable for his will for your life on the day of judgment, even if you never figured out what his will is. If God never tells you what he wants you to do, he is still going to hold you fully accountable for having done what you're supposed to do. And you go, I don't believe that. Do you know that there are some people who will never hear the name Jesus? They will never hear the gospel. Did you know that God is going to hold them accountable as if they had heard the gospel? Did you know that? What God says is those who hear the law, I will judge them according to the law. And those who don't hear the law will be judged apart from the law. Either way, they still both get judged. Did you know that as people respond 
to the light they are given, that God gives them more light. And that the people who don't have any light is because they didn't respond to what they do have. That's hard work. And there are believers who will never figure out what the will of God is for their lives, and they're going to give full, complete accountability for absolutely failing in their mission. These guys in Acts chapter 13, they're like, we better pray about what God wants us to do. We better pray for his strength to carry it out once he has revealed it. We better be fasting and humbling ourselves before God so that we don't miss his mission for our lives. We um, quote that verse a lot at funerals. But I've finished my course and I've kept the faith and and all that. And the sad reality is there are a lot of people who get stretched out up here and we're celebrating a life that is an incomplete life that never finished its mission. Oftentimes there are people here and we're celebrating their lives and they never even got on their mission. They never even figured out what their mission was. They never really did anything of significance for God. And so, if your life was over and we were celebrating your life, and we were saying, oh, this was a good person, could we get more specific? Could we say why this person is such a good person? How we know they finished their course? Could we talk about some things they did for God that were really good things that really made a difference in other people's lives? There are so many of God's children who are off mission. We are way off mission and we're just trying to survive. We're doing our nine to five and putting money in our 401k and making sure we have benefits and retirement, make sure we're getting in our vacation and, and, and this kind of stuff. And when it comes to prioritizing the worship of God, that is like off our radar. When it comes to making sure that his church is strong, off our radar, when it comes to evangelizing the lost and telling people how to get to heaven, not on our radar. Our course is over here and we are over there and we're going to have to give an, an account of our lives for being a sorry employee of the kingdom. A sorry servant of God who never got the mission done. we're fasting this season I pray that God 
what it do for you, what it did for those Christians in Acts chapter 13, and that is it builds a mission and get you on it. God, you show us this picture in Acts chapter 13. These are people who are such models for us. We see them first in step one where they're just mature. They have grown in Christ. They have titles. They have ministries. If we could just get to that, that would be such a huge leap forward for so many of your people. But they went beyond that. They are fasting over what does God want us to do. They're fasting over what does God want me to do. And if if, if we could just get to that step number two, what a what a difference that would make in us. And then they went to step three, where here is what God wants me to do. And now that's what they're fasting and praying about. God, give me the energy. Give me the power. Give, give me the sustenance to just be faithful in what I know you want me to do. These are the kinds of people that hear you say, well done. Not the ones who are just sort of skating through life and life is easy as far as their Christianity is concerned. There's no sacrifice. They just walk in and walk out. No real price to pay. I pray that you would move us from this shallow existence, from this stale water and move us into the deep where it really does cost to walk with you. I pray this season of fasting would change us, that it would change the course of the church, that it would change our very lives. We ask it with anticipation because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.